I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw my Just one move with my arms stretched wide. I will worship you. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a heart. Everybody on Rise Up. Wow. What a great voice. That music that you hear in the background right now. Ladies and gentlemen, that kind of stuff gets me, gets my Holy Spirit speaking in the morning. Like worship music to me is like a language unlike any other. It's unlike any music. It's unlike any conversation you have with anybody. It's unlike even reading the Bible. Not say it's better. It's unlike anything on earth. And that is why God wanted music in our lives so much because he wanted us to use that music ability to be able to praise him. Like imagine the music that's going on in heaven right now. Imagine the rejoicing and the singing and the David-like dancing that are going on in heaven right now as we do this on earth on earth as it is in heaven. So, <clears throat> like I said, I was in the music business for a very, very, very long time, and I never used my musical ability for God. Not until I did the song, Armor of God, which, to me, was... It was the first time that I'd ever actually used what God gave me for God. Now, I'd spoke of God in songs, but I'd never actually made a song dedicated to him. 
And I got to do that with Armor of God. So, <clears throat> again, it was uh, it, it's really nice to wake up with, with worship music in the morning when we do Rise Up. And I think that's why they do it at church, right? I think that's why they have uh, hymnal music playing when you're coming in and you're getting settled down and you're talking to, to neighbors and brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it moves into a, more of a engaged worship music as the worship team leads you into this song and dance for Jesus. And... Uh, it really does get the juices flowing, and it wakes up the Holy Spirit inside. Uh, Dane said, I can only imagine, but it's going to be beautiful. Well, it's happening up there right now. Every time a Ray Comfort or a T.D. Hodges or a Jeremy Harrell helps another person come to Christ, um, <clears throat> that's what they're doing up there. They're doing exactly what we're going to be doing. Hey, Eli, Scotty said, lunch on Scotty today for Jeremy and Eli, 25 bucks. You know what, Eli? It's been a long time since we've been to Subway. I think we should have some steak and cheese maybe from Subway today on Scotty. Scotty, thank you for that, man. May the Lord bless you. And when we get that meal, as we pray before our meal, we will ask for the Lord to bless you for that kind gesture to buy Eli and I lunch. Miranda says, armor of God is in my CD player always. It's so weird, Eli, isn't it, to hear somebody say CD player still? Yeah, they still exist, Eli. Come on now, we're, you know. I still have tons of CDs, DVDs. I don't use them much anymore, but I have them. Eli, remember back in the day in the car, we had those folders of CDs, right? And you knew exactly where every CD was. Like you tried to keep an alphabetical order, never ended up that way. But you had control, you had like controlled chaos with that thing. You knew where your CDs were, right? <clears throat> Thank you, Scotty. We appreciate you. Okay. Title today's show, Fighting with Pigs. Now, you might think, Jeremy's calling people pigs? Wow, how unchristian-like of him uh, to do that. No, 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 no. I'm not calling specific people pigs. This is a very serious topic today. So we will go to the Lord in prayer. We'll ask the Lord to help us discern between, uh, or, or discern what is uh, a message from him and what is not a message from him. As we break down this title, Fighting with Pigs. Eli, I don't want to fight with a pig. Do you? I don't want to fight at all. Especially not with a pig. Especially not with a big pig or a boar. Right, Eli? But pigs are filthy. That's the reason I don't want to fight with them. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, I don't want to fight with a congressman or a senator, right? Anyway, guys, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get to the description. Uh, we'll get to what the verse of the day is today. I pray that some of you got your verse of the day today. I did send one out. I'm going to see here if it actually sent this time. I know we were having some issue with that the other day, and I apologize. But I sent the verse of the day out this morning, and it does show that some people have started opening it. So that's good. Fighting with pigs check your email this morning hopefully you got it let's go to the lord in prayer please remove your hats if you're wearing one and in the name of jesus lord and heavenly father lord as we shake off and forget about the earthly finite worldly things and come to your infinite throne with all thanksgiving and humbleness we want to talk about Fighting, arguing, debating, and getting in unnecessary arguments, especially with people online. It's so easy to see what we call as a troll and then attack that person. 
in a lot of cases, were wrong. They weren't there for the confrontation that we saw as they were typing something. And Lord, we're asking you today to give us discernment on how to respond to people online and in life. We know that a lot of us respond differently online than we do in real life. But our Christian personalities and lives and light should shine in reality and online and in a digital world. We should, it should reflect who we are, our actions. <clears throat> and Lord, as we know that it takes two to tango, help us today figure out what debates, arguments, or fights that we should be in and let them be for righteous reasons and not prideful, unrighteous reasons. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you dwell with us today. And we ask that people share this message far and wide as spreading the gospel, not gossip, is the key to making America godly again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Eli, Cindy said she listens to CDs every day. Ray Friesen says, I'm going to a prayer breakfast in Rockford on Saturday. Rockford, Illinois, I know it well. Our government is filled with pigs. Our Senate and Republican Democrats are the biggest pigs ever. How many people know the name John Whitmore? John Whitmore was, a, was one of the first street evangelists ever to exist. I want to take you guys and give you a history lesson real quick before we get into fighting with pigs, okay? Does anybody know what happened before the Revolutionary War? What an integral part of our country, of who we are and what we stand for. Do you know what led up to the Revolutionary War and us declaring our independence from England? It was a Jesus revival. It was the first Jesus revolution, and it happened right here in America. John Whitmore started street evangelizing and saying that it doesn't have to be a state-controlled church anymore. God is in you, and you can have a personal experience and a personal relationship with God. Or not John Whitmore, I'm, excuse me, I, I, excuse me, Whitfield, George Whitfield. John Whitmore is another one who came a little later. George Whitfield, I'm, uh, jump off, thank you very much. I would have caught that here sooner or later when I looked at my notes. That's what I meant. Now, John Whitmore was also an evangelizer later on. George Whitfield was the first, sorry. Thank you very much. Man, we have some knowledgeable people in here. So we're talking about street evangelizing. This was never a thing. This had never been a thing before. And George Whitfield would go out and he would say things to people that brought God right to them, right to their souls, and convicted them in real time in the street. And back then, people were saying that this guy was crazy, that he might have been a heretic, that he was driving people mad. That's what the uh, reports were saying and the papers were saying. He was driving people mad. What he was doing was bringing the, 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 the Holy Ghost to these people, to their 
places of work, to the coal mines, to the to the railroads. To, well, not the railroads back then, but you know what I mean? To the, to the farmer, to the person who was out there working in the fields, to the people who were out there working in the, uh, in the inner cities, in the rural areas. He was bringing the word of God to them. And, he, and I, there was, a, there was a, uh, a quote that he said. He said, I reach so many more people. I don't remember what the number was. He actually used a number. Um, bringing the word of God to them than I ever would waiting at church for them to come to me. And what happened was, is that Jesus revival of a personal relationship with Jesus, the first of its kind, again, another America first thing, right? Was the first of its kind. Uh, Juphoff said, I'm reading the printer and the preacher about Whitfield and Ben Franklin. Beautiful. Now check this out. This Jesus revival that was happening started spreading across the the colonies and 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 all to the to the furthest reaches of settlers this this Jesus revival started spreading like wildfire and it made its way eventually to a man named Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Jefferson adopted the when Thomas Jefferson was penning stuff about church and state what a lot of people get wrong about this is that All we were trying to do was keep the state out of your personal religion. The boundaries of your personal relationship with God. We wanted to get the state out of that. They cannot tell you how to worship Jesus, how to worship and walk with Jesus, because your conscience and your boundaries of your conscience should belong to you, not to the state. That's where that all came from. So when you go into um, you go into talking about how America had become America, it was because of a Jesus revolution. And then it carried on into Abraham Lincoln, into Martin Luther King, uh, Harriet Tubman. All of these people were very, very personal, spiritual people with Christ. And all of these people would have never had that ability and that freedom to do that if it wasn't for George Whitfield in the beginning. And then later on, so many other people, and Ben Franklin as well, and, 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 and John Whitmore, and so many others. So America experienced a revolution, a birth, as a Jesus revival led up to that and gave it the ability to do something like that in the name of Christ, putting God first. Isn't it weird that we might be about ready to experience a rebirth of America and at the beginning of all of it is another Jesus revival? It's pretty amazing. Rambling Rose says, I recently found LFA. What a blessing to have spiritual conversation in the morning. God bless. Well, I am so very happy that you're here. I'm so very happy that you found that God brought you to this channel because this channel is unique. It's got a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different topics from a lot of different um, um, I guess paths of life. Like everybody here, we don't all agree and we have different perspectives on things, but one thing we all agree on here is that there is a God. He is the God of the Bible and Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. So in order to have an actual revolution, you need a Jesus revival. Eli, you want (laughs) to... Never mind. I've just seen some stuff going on there in the chat. Now, 
Speaking of chat, speaking of people we don't agree with online, speaking of people that we may call trolls, how do you deal with trolls? How do you deal with people that you have disagreements with in real life? How do you deal with people that are arguing about something and they pull you into that argument or your pride or your arrogance puts you into an argument that you don't belong into? You see somebody writing something in your comment section and you just want to clap back at them and say something that puts them in their place because you want to have the last word. We've all been there, right? Jennifer says, ugh, avoid them. Well, let's talk about it, shall we? Let's go to the description of today's show, which I titled, Fighting with Pigs. Have you ever heard the saying, it takes two to tango? Well, that means that it takes two people to have a debate, it takes two people to have an argument, and it takes two people to have a full-on, blown, a full-blown fight. What happens in those scenarios when you remove one person from the equation. If it takes two to fight, then what happens when you take one person away from that equation? There can only be one outcome. Either the disagreement completely stops and you walk away from it and it's done, or one person continues to throw air punches themselves, not landing a single punch on anyone, It's an analogy, but himself, and he probably looks pretty silly doing it. Pretty embarrassing, isn't it? So today, let's talk about that, and we're going to go to the book of Samuel in order to get this this conversation going. So please open up your Bibles to the book of Samuel, and we're going to open up to Samuel, or 2 Samuel, excuse me, to Samuel, 2 Samuel. And we're going to open up to 16, 2 Samuel 16, 11. And while you guys are opening up your Bibles to 2 Samuel, let me read from understanding the 66 books of the Bible. And I really appreciate the fact that people said this is a very good topic because, folks, this gets us into a lot of trouble. It gets me into trouble almost every day arguing with people online or something like that. Now, I'm not nearly as bad as I used to and not nearly as bad as my friend Eli over there. He loves to get into a good online argument, don't you, Eli? I'll I'll be here over here working and research and all I hear is... And I'll say, well, the job that Eli's doing right now does not require him to write a book. The job that Eli's doing right now requires him to be doing Photoshop or some kind of editing or something. I'll go, what you doing over there, bud? He'll be like, nothing, just, you know, silencing this loser. So we all are guilty of it, myself included. Career experts frequently tell us to follow our passion. But sometimes that's the surest way to fail. Our passion can get us into a lot of trouble, Right? It's much better to follow God's guidance every step of the way. My passion gets me into trouble all the time, Eli. How many people yell or tell me on the mic or on the, in the live chat, stop yelling, stop yelling. And I go, my passion wants to argue back with them. 
But do you notice what I've been doing lately? I've been being, I've been really good at controlling that. The lady that said, stop yelling the other, or you yell a lot the other day. What did I say? I said, you're right. I do. And I shouldn't. And that's getting over that passion, right? That's the lesson of the book of 2 Samuel, which is the story of David as king of Israel. This book begins with David's ascension to the throne. It goes on to describe his royal accomplishments and moral failures. At the end of the book, we have his final words and deeds. David was a shepherd who became the ruler of God's people. His reign was a monarchy under uh, a theocratic umbrella, one that established a line of kings culminating in the king of kings, Jesus Christ. One of the themes of this book is the the Davidic covenant, which guarantees the perpetual nature of of David's dynasty leading to the Messiah, the anointed king to come. Woven into the story is the theme of grace. Now, despite David's failures, which we all have them, right? (laughs) Thanks, bad moon. God forgave him, continued the covenant, and worked all for the good because David was a man after God's own heart. 2 Samuel is a prolonged warning about the subtle nature of our passions. Every day presents new temptations and dangers, and David encounters, as David encounters with Bathsheba. We need God's abiding wisdom, protection, and companionship as we acknowledge his kingship over our lives. We have the promise that his hand will uphold us and that he will guide us every step along the way. So, now let's get back to this topic right here. Please raise your hand in the live chat. And if you're watching, hey, by the way, Eli Roku got a new, uh, a new overhaul. The, uh, the Rumble channel on Roku looks all different now. It kind of looks like it does online. It's really, really good. So if you're watching on Roku, you might have a new overhaul. And you might not be able to chat. But those that are on your phones or online, maybe you have your phone next to you while you're watching on Roku or Fire Stick. Let me know how many of you have a problem arguing with people online. Or injecting yourself into debates or arguments at work that you know darn well that you shouldn't be in. And then afterwards you go, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. How many of you have done that in January? I know we're in February now. But how many of you have done that in the month of January of 2024 alone? I did. Eli, did you? Did you get yourself into an argument or a debate that you shouldn't have been in? And in the end it didn't mean anything and you wasted God's precious time? Wasted your precious time? I know I have. Heidi says, I need an overhaul. Splendor says, one of my biggest flaws. I don't have patience with trivial common sense things. Bad Moon says, I have never. (laughs) Bad Moon, that's a sin. It's a sin to lie, Bad Moon. Uh, I hate conflict. Online sometimes, says Kalia. Not me, said CQ. Good for you. I've stopped that, said Heidi. Uh, Oh, gosh, I do it all the time at work, said Miss Mocha Powered. I used to. I'm very argumentative. Jeremy, I want that book. Where do I get it? Uh, uh, Online. Somebody sent it to me. Uh, I just report. (laughs) Furry Furry Grizzly says, I just report them. (laughs) I'm telling. I love that. Uh, Me, Jeff says, I have. Godchick says, I don't like arguing. Um, Kittenhead said, me, I defend people. There you go. Uh, Now I have that song stuck in my head. Bad Moon says, okay, so here we go. Um, I want to get to 2 Samuel now. And I'm going to read it from two versions for you, okay? 
So you probably have your Bible open now, 2 Samuel 16. We're actually going to read from 9 to 12. I want to bring from 9 all the way to 12, okay? It says this, and I'm going to read it from the ESV, and I'm going to read it from the complete Jewish Bible. It says this, Then Abishai, the son of Zeruah, Zeruria, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? Zeruiah. I, I never say that word right, but if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me good for this cursing today. So let me kind of give you an example or kind of bring you through what just happened. King David was being cursed by this young man who was throwing rocks at them, yelling at them, and cursing them. As a matter of fact, grab my, let me grab my uh, Bible app here. Let me bring this up. I want to go back. It said, when King David came to Bahurim, there came a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimi the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on the right, were on his right hand and his left. And Shimi said that he cursed or said as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son um, Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. So at this point right now, this troll isn't just saying things to Jesus. He's not just typing things online. He's literally throwing rocks, spitting and cursing, in the way of David and his servants. King David. It kind of reminds me of the story of the brothers, right? When they were cursing the, the, uh, Jesus and the brothers wanted to bring down fire on these people, Lord, for their cursing and spitting on us. And Jesus says, it, like in The Chosen, he's like, you would have had me brought down balls, uh, 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 hail of fire on these people because they were calling us names? Like you wanted me to burn them up because they were calling us names, right? Kind of just like King David did here. King David said, no, 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 no. They wanted to cut off the kid's head. And David said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, okay? Let the kid be, okay? If the Lord has told him to curse me, maybe the Lord will bless me by just allowing the Lord to do his work. Who am I to say that this kid shouldn't be cursing me if the Lord told him to do so? Maybe the Lord told him to do so in order to bless me, in order to test me. We're going to leave this kid alone. Imagine the patience. You're a king. You're King David. 
You've got a monarchy, but yet you are running it from a uh, from a theocratic uh, under a theocratic umbrella, so that the end all be all is not you; it is God, and you are a servant of God. But yet under you, you're running it like a monarchy. You're having babies with people you shouldn't have babies with. You're killing friends so that you can do that. But at the same time, you are a man uh, whose heart is after the Lord's. You are dancing for the Lord. You are obeying the Lord. Yeah, you've had some slip-ups, but you are the King David who took down Goliath. And you're going to sit there and let this kid spit, curse, and throw stones at you, literally assault you, and David walked away. Would we have that ability? We don't even have that ability to do that when somebody calls us a name online, let alone throws rocks at us, spits at us, and curses us, and says we should be dead. David had that kind of patience. David had that kind of control in the heat of the moment, relying on the Lord. It takes two to tango. Now let's go to the verse of the day today so I can read what I wrote about this. They say it takes two to tango. People engage in and prolong fights that they shouldn't be in to begin with. It's pride It's arrogance. And it's some sort of control that we need that leads us to doing just that. How many times have you said to yourself, just walk away? How many times? Your own marriage, your children, people at work, you know darn well that this isn't going to lead to anything good. And you say, just walk away. But your flesh wants more, right? The devil loves the division and his demons love the filth. It's like fighting with a pig in the mud. Think about a pig. Think about a nasty, disgusting, filthy little pot belly cute pig, right? The two of you roll around in the filth as you wrestle this pig. Right? And in doing so, you become dirty, unclean, disgusting. Your actions will make you look disgusting and filthy and feel horrible when you're all said and done. Here's the thing, though. That pig loves the slop. That pig loves to roll around and fight in the filth. Don't fight with pigs. Don't roll around in the dirt with them. Because in the end, you're going to wish you never had. And in the end, they're going to be happy that they got you to engage in something that you should have never been engaged in to begin with. You made them so happy that they allowed you and baited you into rolling around in the filth with them. And I actually have a video that kind of explains this. And it's a great video 
And it really kind of put me on this whole topic today. So I borrowed it because I thought it was beautiful. Let's see. Let him alone and let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. So remember, the next time somebody wants to try and drag you into a fight online, anytime you get in a fight with a pig, you both end up covered in crap. The pig likes it. I'll see you at church on Sunday. You both end up covered in crap, but the pig likes it. See you in church on Sunday. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, and he opened my eyes to this this morning. And it really kind of, um, it really hit home because I do it all the time. And not only that, how many times do we mistake somebody for being a troll or a pig and they're not because of our perception or because of our passion getting in the way? Tina says, just make bacon with them. Yeah, my grandpa makes me, reminds me of my grandpa used to have a hat, Eli, with two pigs mating on the front of it. You know, you know, old man humor. And he had two pigs mating on the front of it. And the title said, Macon Bacon. <laughs> Just reminded me of that. Um, Satan has his hands over some people's eyes. Yes, yes, yes. Miss Mocha Powered had the talk about abortion yesterday. Ouch. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a deep conversation. Vita Rose says, I needed this today. I've been depressed and arguing for a month. I'm finished. Yes, be done with it. Be done with it. It takes two to tango. Walk away. Let that person tire themselves out. Be done with that. It is not worth it. Say your piece. Say it respectively and move on. 100%. 100%. It's a great message today. I want you to open up your one-minute prayer for dads. And open up to page 55. Ew, how tacky, Jeremy. I know, Jennifer. I know. It just made me think of it. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) God did cast out demons in pigs. Sure did. Page 55 from Titus 2, chapter 6. Or verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. Likewise... Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Sometimes our squirmy kids have a problem with self-control. We do them a favor when we help them learn to govern their own behavior. A child with no self-control will one day be an adult with self-control problems. God, thank you for my youth. Relative youth, that is. Not yet old, but yet old enough to be a responsible man. Responsible for my family, responsible for my kids, and my Christian walk. To do this right, I need self-control. I need to remind myself to deny the self-centered urges of the flesh. When I don't control myself, I give away to those wrong desires. It hurts me and my family. And my fellowship with you suffers too. Lord, forgive me. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for the Holy Spirit within me who brings forth the good fruit of self-control. For my kids, I pray that in their presence, I will demonstrate the ability to control myself, especially with my temper. I've done that. Folks, I have done that more in the last six months than I ever did my whole entire life. 
Trust me, I am not being a hypocrite when it comes to that one. With self-control comes peace, and I need that peace. So do you, and you deserve it. You deserve it. Just for living on this planet in the flesh, you deserve it. 100%. Speaking of control, what is the one thing the Bible tells us that if we can control, then we're capable of doing anything? Does anybody know? Does anybody know the answer to that in the chat? If we can control this one thing, then we can control anything. Does anybody want to know or want to take a stab at what that is? There's a lot of things, folks, that we can control. God wants us to control everything, our thoughts, all of it. He wants, he wants us to pretty much give that control up to him and then have the ability to obey. So that kind of control, right? But I want to see how, um, how there it is right there, love bug, tongue, Mary, tongue, Majorva, anger, liberty, uh, uh, Liberty girl, tongue, 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 uh, team Rentiera, Tim, L Jacobs, Majorva, Amanda Collins, Jay gives me pursuit of happiness. TD Hodges, Miranda Dolan. That's right. Tongue. Now, did you guys know that the devil cannot hear your thoughts like God can, but the devil can hear your words. Check this out. He hear your thoughts, but he can hear your words. That's why the Bible says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because if it doesn't, then it festers, it spins out of control. And out of the overflow of your heart, it will speak your mouth. The Bible also says that the tongue is the rudder of the ship. It's steering the direction of your life. So if you don't have control of your mouth, it shows that something's gone wrong in here and something gone wrong here. Yep. You're supposed to take your thoughts captive. You're supposed to till good soil of your heart like Jesus tells us in the parable of the soils. In the demonic realm, trust me, they're listening. They're looking for cracks in your life that they can sneak into. So gossip needs to go. Yes. Speaking negative things over your life. Oh, I'm just this type of person. I just have anxiety. That's just who I am. Things like that need to go. Yes. They don't belong in your mind. They don't belong in your mouth. And they are not a part of the kingdom of God. The devil can't hear your thoughts. But- wow. There's a million ways to tell somebody to tame their tongue. And each way can hit home a different, in, a different, uh, in a different manner, right? Ray Friesen said the tongue is small but can do great damage. It is a weapon of mass destruction. A tongue is a weapon of mass destruction or, a, or, or a, a, uh, an instrument of, uh, of a miraculous creation. It can be a weapon of mass destruction or an instrument for miraculous creation. Which one do you want your tongue to be? Do you want your tongue to destroy? Do you want your tongue to tear down, break down, beat up? Or do you want your tongue to create miracles? Do you want your tongue to bring people to God? Do you want your tongue to lift people up and make them feel better? Do you want your tongue to set records straight and tell the truth? Do you want your tongue to hold people accountable where they need to be held accountable? Do you want your tongue to hold you accountable where you need to be held accountable? That's what I want. I want the latter. How about you? So many people have died for what their tongues have said out loud. Crafty Peddler says, true, the tongue is the dirtiest part of your body. If someone has wronged God, says Amanda Collins, 
said, listen and say nothing. Let them speak. Learn how God will speak the truth to any negative mindset. It's hard. It is hard. It's definitely something for us to work on. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a question for you. How can we trust the Bible if it was written by sinners? It's a good question. As a matter of fact, I think it's such a perfect question that you and an atheist or an agnostic can all kind of coalesce around this question and say, you're right. Why should we believe a book that was written by a bunch of men who were sinners? So my question to you is, how can we trust the Bible if it was written by a bunch of ragtag sinners? Well, I think Frank Turek has the best answer for that question. And for you agnostics and atheists out there, listen up. You might even get some inspiration, dare I say it. Our biblical foundation is on the Bible. That's Mm -hmm. in the name. Uh, We believe it's God-inspired. But how do we overlook the fact that, you know, we're looking at quotes and scriptures from Paul, who was a murderer, or we're looking at scriptures from David, who was an adulterer, and... We like to say, oh, we'll go get our advice from the wisest man on earth. And with Proverbs 7 specifically, is the one I'll use as an example, is it's Solomon's warning to stay away from an immoral woman. And yet whenever I read later, it's, oh, Solomon, you had 300 wives, 700 concubines that led you astray to worship idolatry before the end. It's a mistranslation. He had 700 okay. porcupines. Oh. <laughs> I still feel like that might be a problem. But basically, I want to ask, how can we see the word of the Lord while looking beyond the sinful nature of man? Like, how can it'd be like you giving this presentation and then immediately professing, I actually believe in Allah. I'm a Muslim. Like, that makes this carry less weight, even though it's true. Okay, here's the problem. Uh, It seems like what you're saying is the objection is we can't trust what people say because they're just men and they're sinful. Fair? Yes. Okay. Why should I trust what you just said then? Uh, Because you're just a man and you're sinful. This is true. Yeah. See, the problem is it's really what we call in logic a genetic fallacy. To say that because the source of a statement might be immoral that you can't trust what the person says. You don't evaluate whether somebody is telling you the truth merely by their reputation. That might go into you judging it, but they may be telling you the truth. So you can't just dismiss what somebody says because they're they're a sinner. We're all sinners. And if we can't trust what sinners say, we can't trust what anyone says, including what I just said. Do you see the problem? It's self-defeating. I do. Okay. So what you need to do is evaluate what people say to see if it has any merit. Now, if you notice, the biblical characters uh, that God chooses are all weak, flawed people like the rest of us. 
okay? I mean, why does, he pe- why does he pick David? Yeah, David has great qualities, but as you mentioned, he's a liar, adulterer, and a murderer. Gee, I guess there's hope for the rest of us then, right? Why does he pick Peter? Peter says, you know, Lord, I'll never deny you. You know, a little bit later, he denies him three times, right? Well, he can work, he can work through imperfect people. He picks Paul, which actually is a great move, because before Paul was a persecutor of the church, he was a dictatorial, dogmatic, defiant doer. After he became a Christian, he was a dictatorial, dogmatic, defiant doer in the other direction. He used that personality and turned it toward a good direction. So God, the only perfect person in the history of the world is Jesus. Everybody else, God can use. And God gives us the dignity of causality, as Pascal put it, that you can affect time and eternity by what you do every day. You know, God doesn't need us to evangelize. He could evangelize everybody directly if he wanted to. But he allows us the dignity of causality to give us the pleasure of the responsibility of actually affecting time and eternity. So we just can't throw this stuff out because people are sinners. We're all sinners. We have to look at what they said to see if it's really true. Gotta love some Frank Turek, ladies and gentlemen. His answers, you see, the reason why, the reason why I always show you videos of like uh, Cliff Netchel, Frank Turek, Ken Ham, uh, uh, Ray Comfort, um, is because these are people that have helped me on my journey with Jesus through all of the of the podcasting uh, pastors, through all of the the loud mega church pastors, and all of that. These men are men that I feel um, preach the gospel the way Jesus wanted it preached. So in my personal journey with Jesus, I'm always bringing up these men because these are men that I go to for advice. These are men that they're very videos that I go to to learn certain things or to back it up with scripture and, and see where they came, how they came up with that, you know, because I want to know how they're thinking the, theologically because I want to, to have that same ability to be able to just be able to tap right into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, answer this for me. Like I do that on my show. But I want to be able to be so reliant um, on, on, on Scripture and know right where to point it. And these guys, uh, you know, they, they kind of embody that. So I think Frank Turek uh, is a great, great person to ask questions to. I think Ray Comfort is a great man to put a mirror of the Ten Commandments on you. I think Cliff Netchel has an, a phenomenal ability to be able to give you a straight answer um, to a young college crowd, whether you like the answer or not. He's going to give it to you, and he's going to give it to you in a gut-wrenching way, but it's a truthful and righteous and respectful way. And if you go to Ken Ham, the reason why I love Ken Ham so much is because Ken Ham is so wise in his um, ability to bring Genesis alive. Like the book of Genesis is really, in itself, is, is probably the most amazing book ever written on earth. Ever, ever, by far, to me. 
and he brings the book of Genesis, he brings creation to life and brings it into a present day way of looking at things. So I look at all of these people for different reasons and I go to all of them for different answers. Eli, we hit 1,900 people live today here on Rise Up. That is close to 2,000 people that are wanting to hear the word of God in the morning before they consume their news. And that to me is beautiful. If you noticed the morning show now, we have a seven to nine show. It's a money market show. And God wants you to be smart with your finances. God wants you to be smart with your money. He wants you to be smart with your investments. He wants you to be smart with your retirement. Now, a lot of us don't have a lot of those things, but it doesn't hurt to learn how money works. So that money market show in the morning, we'll be talking about digital currency, stock market stuff, gold, precious metal stuff, how to save money, how to, how to get annuities, uh, this, that, and the other. That's what that show is going to be all about. And then we're going to follow it up with a little bit of uh, accountability every morning. That's here right on Rise Up. And then we'll get through the news the rest of the day. So we really appreciate you guys being here each and every single day. Do not forget that at 9 a.m. you get the word of God. And at 9 p.m. here on LFA TV, you get to kind of close the night out a little bit with news, but from a godly perspective with Stephen Flurry and Trumpet Daily. So we now have Eli. I just, I wanted to kind of, bring this to all of your attention, and I'm going to reiterate this on LFA, okay? On Live from America at 11. Uh, The other day, we got security reports from how much we were attacked in one week. And this is ridiculous how much money we have to spend in order to keep LFA even a thing. We had 1,200 attacks from Bulgaria, 480 attacks from Ukraine, 450 attacks attacks from the United States, and then several hundred attacks everywhere else in places like Germany and Singapore and and, 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 uh, South America. Uh, We're attacked constantly. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? By the grace of God, last January 2023, we ended up for the month here on LFA TV with 1.4 million views for that month. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Do you want to know what January 2024 looked like? 5.4 million views. We went from seven shows to 22 shows here on LFA TV network. And it's because of God putting God first and then all of you propping us up and financing everything. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because that's a pretty incredible story to tell. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take you out the same way that I brought you in. And that is with some beautiful music from that beautiful voice that we heard this morning. I want to say thank you for being here. Remember, folks, put God first. Always pray before you cook, pray before you eat, pray before you go to the bathroom, pray before you drink, pray before you do anything. Because when you put God first, you definitely can't go wrong. God bless each and every one of you. Mike Crispy on Afraid comes up next, followed by two hours of Live from America right here on LFA TV on Rumble.com. Spread the news. Share the gospel. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great rest of your morning. So I'll throw my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah. Oh
everything changed It's getting harder to recognize The person I was Before I encountered Christ I don't walk like I used to I don't talk like I used to I've been walking